Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Lori, and we are headed into the Book of Mormon with Enos, Jerem, and Omni in the All About section. So welcome back. Mostly to me. I've been a little bit AWOL the last few weeks. I'm sure some of you have also been experiencing a fair amount of changes from COVID-19. In Utah, we had an earthquake, which I was only a couple miles from and at work at the time. And while everything is well, it has been a little bit hectic, and so I'm sorry for the delay. But let's jump into the all about um, Enos. So Enos is an interesting book, as you've probably already seen. It's only like 17 verses long, so it's it's very brief. Um, but what I wanted to do is just kind of go through a little bit of the outline, the overview, what we know of, of him, Enos, kind of who, what, where, as well as some of the differences that we see taking place as well as the topics, because there's some really different themes uh, that you're are probably already aware of, but I, I really like this book, and so wanted to draw those out for us. So first, who is Enos? What's going on? Kind of the who, what, where. First, Enos is Jacob's son, and he does talk about they've been gone for, oh, 170 years or something like that, and so this would make Enos uh, probably fairly young in the timeline, just to, if he is, so it's Nephi, and then Jacob is Nephi's younger brother, uh, maybe only 16 years difference from them. And then if they had lived a very long time, and then this is depending um, when Enos tells the story, he's probably telling it back in his youth saying, hey, this is, I want to tell you about the story that happened to me when I was younger. So, so these guys are living a fair amount of time, kind of older guys, but also he's, he's reflecting back. And so we don't, um, we know he is the, the designated heir. He's the son and he is given uh, the assignment to preserve and write on the plates. And we see that in Jacob 7 towards the end. Um, again, Jake, uh, Enos was probably young at the time that he received the, the assignment, although he seems to be reflecting back when he's a little bit older. He says uh, right off the bat that he said he was taught in the learning of his father. What, what do we think that means exactly? Well, clearly we don't know a lot, but we have some clues. One of the clues, as he says, is he, he talks a lot about teaching of Christ, and he specifically uses that name. And as you recall, that Jacob had been revealed that the name Christ would be Jesus's name or his title, right, is Messiah or Christus or Christ. And so he seems that was a really big revelation, right? And so you can see that Enos is also learning that from Jacob. And so he has definitely learned something of the teachings of Christ. Was he the high priest, the uh, the prophet of the time? What, what what exactly do we think is Enos's role? 
Well, it seems that something interesting is happening. We don't hear Enos ever say anything about him being the high priest. He doesn't say anything about him being the uh, leader of the religious group. We don't see him being any kind of political leader as well. Remember, the political leadership seemed to be with Nephi's family and somewhere down with his heirs, but not with Jacob's family. So Jacob's is kind of the religious assignment of keeping the records, uh, much like Moses's son, by the way. So, so a little bit different line. Now, while he doesn't tell us that he was the high priest or he's somebody uh, kind of higher up in some kind of church hierarchy, we know that he's a priest um, after his father. And so he's got that kind of priesthood. Additionally, I think something that's interesting is that maybe from the Sherem incident, maybe for some other things going on in the Nephite culture. But it doesn't seem that, that Enos is, uh, it may not mention it, but it doesn't seem that Enos is uh, in the political or the priesthood, like the high priest or something. He's maybe a little bit diminished um, in the in the grouping because you just don't, he doesn't say in it and they don't talk about him. Who knows? Maybe we'd find out in the large plates. He is a prophet, however. Now, the role of a prophet is probably similar to how it was in ancient Israel rather than the institutional role or the personal role that we see in uh, our culture today. In our culture today, the prophet is, we think of it as a, like the president of the church, the prophet. There is one prophet, but obviously that's not true. We have multiple prophets as well today. Uh, being a prophet is not a priesthood calling. So you don't go, um, teacher, deacon, priest, elder, high priest, oh, prophet, right? It doesn't work like that. That a prophet is a gift of the spirit to prophesy. It's given certain keys. So men and women can be prophets. We certainly see that in the Old Testament as well. So one who prophesies is called, prophesies, sizes, should, is a prophet. Um, don't get me wrong on this. I, there are certainly uh, keys and there is a hierarchy and we have uh, what we call the prophet, which is the president of the church, and then the uh, 12 are also prophets and the as counselors. But Enos is like that. He's in this similar role where he is a prophet, but there were many prophets, many people teaching. So he isn't a king. He isn't a high priest. He is a priest and he is a prophet. Um, and that's very similar to the Old Testament. So I think that's super interesting. Another thing that we see highlighted in the Book of Mormon that is really a a difference um, from the Old Testament. These are Old Testament people, not very much longer, right? They're um, kind of forging their own path here. But something that they've picked up on, which I love, the difference is this personal righteousness, personal conversion, personal testimony. Isaiah hits on this really heavy where he's, he's really talking to them a lot about righteousness and justice and where they have to change who they are, right? And he talks about it anywhere from Isaiah 1, you know, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as, as white as snow. And and then you see it in Jeremiah, their, their hearts will be no longer stony hearts, but fleshy hearts. And then you see it in Alma as well, right? Have you uh, seen the mighty change? Uh, and if you have, can you sing, can you say so now? So you see this personal change, something that changes internally. What happens with the Old Testament people and certainly at this time about when they left, is it seems to be really on like, well, we're just the chosen people and it's birthright. And it's more about the people and the institution of the tribes than it is about personal righteousness. And you'll see that a lot with Laman and Lemuel, right? We're the, we're the oldest sons. We're the ones who should just be righteous and should have these rights. And Enos is going to remind us, as does Nephi, as does Lehi, as does all of them, right? 
But Enos particularly talks about this personal righteousness, this personal conversion, this personal personal testimony. Let's talk about a few of the other themes that you're going to see besides those. One of them that you'll you'll see, and uh, it, it really hits us hard in these next verses, is talking about the Lamanites. So obviously there's been a division already, but we're going to see this hatred and this division, and it's going to be really strong. And you can see where they do not like each other, and we would call it hatred, right? It's pretty, pretty strong. In fact, there are probably some prejudices at this point, and they're probably well-deserved. There's there's a lot of war. There's a lot of contention. There's some terrible things that have happened at this point. So you can feel that. So in one of the things Enos talks about in verse 14 is he says, um, the Lamanites had sworn in their wrath that if it were possible, they would destroy our records. Well, that that's interesting, isn't it? So here's Enos given the assignment to keep the records. He doesn't seem like he reads the records very much, uh, just based on, he says, I had heard the words of my father, but he doesn't go back and say, well, I had read the words of my father. Maybe just a wordplay there. But the f- he's given to keep the records, so records are important, Enos. But then here's this weird phrase that, that uh, the Lamanites were going to destroy the records. That's not the first thing I would go after. Why do you think that is? Think about that for a second. Why are the Lamanites so intent on destroying the records? Obviously, there are a few that the records are going to show um, how they were maybe unrighteous, that it, it comes with the birthright. It also uh, seems to have some kind of authority given to it. And so they're very upset. They're going to say, I am going to show how you had usurped our authority. I'm going to show how you have the brass plates. Those should all be with us. Additionally, you see some other themes about the Lamanites. Um, there's obviously been a lot of warfare, and you're going to hear it over and over and over again in these next few books, that the Lamanites, that it had been a fair amount of war, battle, hatred, terrible things happening. And yet, part of this book is to bring the Lamanites to redemption. So in verse 20, um, Enos is going to touch on that. So he says part of it is to restore Uh, The goal is to restore the Lamanites to the true faith in God. But he says, but our labors were vain. Their hatred was fixed. And they were led by their evil nature. And they became wild, ferocious, and bloodthirsty people full of idolatry and filthiness. And they were continually seeking to destroy us. That's verse 20. So we see that um, Enos was told that his faith was like that of his father's. And his prayers were heard in behalf of the future Lamanites, right? These future Lamanites. And those words would be restored for their conversion. That's Enos 1.18. So while they see that the Lamanites are so such a terrible relationship with them, Enos and Jacob are told that these words, these, these documents themselves, the Book of Mormon, will be what will help them be converted one day. And a revelation given to uh, Joseph Smith in Harmony, Pennsylvania in uh, 1828, the Lord confirmed that in preserving the Book of Mormon plates, he had kept his promise. This is the Lord keeping his promise. And that the information on the plates was intended to bring the Lamanites to the knowledge of the truth. And remember what the title page said. It was for the conversion of the Lamanites as well as the Jew and the Gentile, that Jesus is the Christ. Here's what it was revealed in Doctrine and Covenants 3, 19 and 20 about this very thing. And for this very purpose are these plates preserved, which contain these records, that the promises of the Lord might be fulfilled, which he made to his people, and that the Lamanites might know the promises of the Lord, 
and that they may believe the gospel and rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ and be glorified through faith in his name and that through their repentance they might be saved. Wow, strong stuff. We sometimes forget of how poignant that would be. So think of how that could relate to you. Do you have anyone that you would say is truly either an enemy to you, an enemy to your family, an enemy to the church that you are trying to reconcile, and yet their hatred and their uh, just absolute aggression towards you has made it so that you can't be reconciled? Enos is saying that's who these people were through him and his people. And yet the Lord had promised to redeem them. Where the Nephites will fail, um, the Lamanites will be restored. So you're going to see that theme in Enos. I think it's poignant because of what's happening to them. And uh, you'll see <laughs> they're almost, ah, there's just so much hatred between the two. I mean, there's just not a lot of love lost in these verses. It's like, oh, so strong, so strongly worded, right? All right. So there's one of the big themes that you're going to see over and over again. These Lamanites ask yourself why and what can I apply out of that? A couple of the other things that I think are uh, important is we talked about personal righteousness, personal conversion. Again, it used to be kind of a corporate conversion, right? Like the whole house of Israel would have been saved and said it wasn't that important. Uh, a lot of people felt this wrongly, that it wasn't that important that an individual work on their personal righteous, personal righteousness. But obviously, that's very true. And so we see that here. Um, when Enos goes to pray, he uses an interesting word. I want to tell you about the wrestle that I had, right? The wrestle. Can you think of any other place? In the uh, scriptures where the term wrestle is used? Well, there's one that jumps out at me, remember, is Jacob. And Jacob was the brother of Esau, and he becomes Israel. And then he has basically the sons and grandsons that become the 12 tribes. And when he is crossing over at night, he goes to a place called Penuel, and he sleeps and he puts his head on a rock. And then, uh, and he's on his way to visit Esau, the brother that he had wronged. Remember, he had sold the birthright for a a pot of soup and Esau uh, was a hunter and he was a tough guy and and uh, but he was the older twin and yet he gets kind of fooled out of and sells the birthright and so Jacob is so afraid that it's like <laughs> this wrong that I have done perceived or otherwise uh, to Esau is Esau is going to come back and kill me so he goes to uh, bring him gifts and to try to reconcile with Esau and as he's traveling there, this is when he gets to Penuel, right? And he lays down, he puts his head on the rock, and and uh, and he uh, he talks about the wrestle that he has with an angel, and then he says it's the Lord, and then he receives a covenant. The covenant is restored through him. So go read about that wrestle with the Lord, and then here's another wrestle with the Lord. Um, he is trying to receive his own testimony of the atonement and and receive repentance and forgiveness for his sins. And he talks about this wrestle with sorrow, wrestle with guilt, wrestle with um, time, wrestle with prayer, right? This wrestling that we have when we are trying to um, have the Lord come and become at one with us, when we're trying to reconcile with the Lord. So you're going to see that that theme. But I wanted to draw that out because there is another great example of Jacob and his wrestle, and it might be something that you want to check out. All right. Well, that is all let's do on the book of Enos. Um, Enos is a beautiful book about prayer, about personal revelation, and it's an interesting time when we start to see the division of 
the different nations even more strongly than we've seen before. And there's something to be learned. Now, you're going to study a lot about the personal and the uh, interesting nature of prayer and redemption in the next one. So let's jump on and get into that. Scriptorians, keep on reading. Keep up the hope. Love each other during this tough time. Keep up your prayers and uh, love your brothers and sisters. Hang in there. We'll talk to you soon.